Well, hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, part of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. It's a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. On this week's podcast, we're going to discuss tipping. Are you a good tipper or are you like me? <laughs> you get confused on who to tip, when to tip, and how much. Well, in a few moments, we're going to get some tipping tips from thepointsguy.com. They have a great write-up posted on their website titled The Ultimate Guide to Tipping While Traveling. So we'll use that as our guide. And then we'll head to Belfast, Northern Ireland and visit the Titanic Hotel Belfast, located in the heart of the Titanic Quarter, where the ship was built. And the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, is looking to welcome international visitors this spring and summer. So later in the podcast, we'll get some ideas on what to see and do in Philly. But as I mentioned, we're going to start this week's podcast talking about tipping. More specifically, some tips on tipping. There's a great article on the PointsGuy website, thepointsguy.com, titled The Ultimate Guide to Tipping While Traveling. And the author is Melanie Lieberman. She is the senior editor with thepointsguy.com. And Melanie joins us now to discuss some of those tipping tips. Hi, Melanie. Hey, how's it going? It's going well because I'm going to learn some tips on tipping because I get confused. <laughs> uh, a great article on the Points Guy website, uh, pointsguy.com, the ultimate guide to tipping while traveling. I guess uh, I guess it kind of depends on where you're traveling to uh, as the tipping customs because not all countries uh, you know, have a tipping custom, do they? No, not all destinations treat tipping the same way. So that's usually the first stumbling block for people. And then depending on the the job for which you're considering tipping, uh, the location, the type of trip, there are a lot of factors, uh, which is why it can be really confusing to people and intimidating to think about how do I tip and how much. Well, that's what I, <laughs> that was my next uh, question is, who do you tip? When do you tip? How much do you tip? <laughs> so let's start with the hotels, because uh, most people, you know, at some point are going to use a hotel when they're traveling. Definitely. So one of the easiest things to think about is tipping housekeeping. Uh, this is a pretty generally agreed upon thing that you should tip about $1 to $5 per day at the end of every day. And that's the really critical thing here uh, is to think about not tipping at the end of your stay because you might have different people servicing your room. Uh, but when you're at a hotel, you're also, you might encounter uh, people who help with your luggage, uh, valets who are assisting with your cars, butlers and concierges. Everyone I just mentioned uh, is someone who you should think about tipping depending on your level of interaction with them. Uh, so if you're using that luggage, luggage attendant for help with your bags. You definitely want to tip about a dollar per bag. Uh, a valet would receive a few dollars every time they get your car. These are some of the most common uh, ways that people might be tipping at a hotel. See, I've been doing it wrong with the housekeeping. I usually wait to the end of my stay. Now I'm going to have to change. I, I think it's very common for people to think about it uh, when they're leaving the hotel. Certainly, that's that's when you'll remember if you haven't done it yet, right? But uh, if if you can remember to, to carry some cash with you or get yeah. some cash from the front desk, thinking about leaving bills at the end of every uh, night or when you leave in the morning is is really the way to go. Good point. Uh, where I really get confused is in an all inclusive because uh, most all inclusives all inclusives either you know add tipping in or something like that or they just say no tipping required. But we all know that everyone likes to have a dollar slipped here or there. The bartenders and, and housekeeping and things like that, don't they? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And and the good news here is you can really think about using those same basic hotel tipping guidelines when you're staying at an all-inclusive resort. But the most important thing to do uh, is check with the front desk or check with your folio uh, because you want to make sure that they're not including a daily uh, gratuity in your bill. Uh, but if they're not, and the front desk can usually clear that up for you, then you can just rely on those general hotel tipping guidelines, again, for housekeeping, the luggage attendant, valets. Uh, one other one, which I didn't mention, which I think trips a lot of people up, is room service, because that is one, uh, one area of your hotel experience where the gratuity is almost always included. So definitely check your receipt before uh, mm. feeling like you need to add anything else on. That is a good point. And even you see that more in restaurants uh, now, too, uh, that the, the gratuity is already added in. So it's good to kind of ch- double check that, right? Yeah, and, and that's a great point. Things do change. Times change. I certainly noticed that myself, that a lot of my uh, restaurants have, even when I'm not in a big party, have gratuity included now. So mm. I think in general, it's a good reminder for travelers, too. Just double check, check your folio, check your receipt, and don't be shy about asking the front desk or someone at the property if you have confusion about whether or not gratuity has already been added. And then uh, let's talk about cruises because a lot of times, too, you can add it to your uh, bill at the end. Uh, It used to be you'd put little, you know, you'd put cash in an envelope at the (laughs) end of the cruise. They've eliminated that for the most part, haven't they? Yeah, cruising is a really interesting one uh, because in general, there is some amount of gratuity already added on. Often you're paying it in advance. Mm -hmm. uh, But one thing to do is to check uh, when you're getting onto your cruise, what percentage that is, because you might want to adjust up or down. Uh, But really, this is another great example of uh, considering if you can pay those on board, gratuity fees in advance uh, if they're already included in the bill. So this is a really great example of when you definitely need to do a little bit of research before you uh, assume you should be leaving, you know, a few dollars in your room uh, every day. Great tips on tipping. I'm going to take in mind the uh, housekeeping one now and do it every day instead of at the end of my stay. So (laughs) I appreciate that. (laughs) It's the ultimate guide to tipping while traveling. And Melody Lieberman is the author. She's the senior travel editor with The Points Guy. That's where you can find it. Uh, The Points Guy website, The Points Guy dot com. Uh, Thanks for chatting, Melanie. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me and good luck with the tipping. Well, Ireland is becoming a more and more popular place for people to visit, and that includes Belfast in Northern Ireland. And one place to stay in Belfast that sounds really interesting is the Titanic Hotel Belfast, especially if you're a Titanic or history buff like me. So joining us now to tell us more about the Titanic Hotel Belfast is Siobhan Kielt. She is the Director of Sales and Marketing for the Titanic Hotel Belfast. The website is titanichotelbelfast.com. Hi, Siobhan. Hi, Zandi. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm very excited to hear about the Titanic Hotel Belfast. I'm a big Titanic history buff, so uh, someone like me, would th- would I be really excited about staying there? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we, we like to think that we're the world's most authentic um, Titanic hotel. Obviously, we're located um, right where the, the ship was designed and built, um, um, ultimately. So, you know, it's 
right back to the the history to the start of the the Titanic journey um, itself. So yeah, I think you'd you'd love it here. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about uh, just the hotel itself. How long has it been open now? So the hotel opened in September 2017. So we were just four years past um, last September. The, orig- the, the building itself though dates back to 1885. Um, it was the original headquarters of Harlan and Wolf, um, which was the, the shipbuilders that designed and built Titanic and their sister ships. Um, so the actual building itself has been there a long time. There's a lot of history. Um, it also incorporates the drawn offices, um, which is where Titanic, the, the actual ship was designed. Um, but then um, in 1989, the building was vacated by Harlan and Wolf, and it lay empty for several years. And then in 2012, it was um, bought um, by our owners and developed into the, the hotel, which opened, as I said, in 2017. Mm-hmm. Well, so it's part of a, a larger area or a larger building, the hotel itself, right? How much of the, of the original structure uh, is there? Yeah, so the majority of the, the hotel is the old building um, and the former drawing offices, for example, um, make up our, our um, magnificent bar, drawing office two, uh, and the other one is actually our largest event space. The majority of the bedrooms are also located in, in um, the old building as is our restaurant, but we actually um, have you know, added on a, a new section to the building, mm-hmm. which houses some of our, uh, about 50 of our bedrooms. So, um, you know, it, it, it does have a modern end, but majority of the public spaces and the bedrooms are actually in the old um, building. And we've tried to preserve as much of the um, old architecture as possible. And also what you'll find throughout the building is like over 500 artworks artifacts and photographs from from the titanic journey and the era of the time well i, I want to touch on the artifacts and memorabilia but let's talk about the describe the different types of rooms you offer and some of the amenities that are there so um basically the the hotel is made, is um designed to make you feel like you've um stayed in a first class cabin and you know that you've been you've had to stay on board one of the the um you know, the, the liners of the time. Um, so basically, um, all of the, the rooms have an Art Deco maritime inspiration. All of the, the rooms have their own unique um, artwork and artifacts from the time as well. But the, the bedrooms themselves are designed to, like a cabin, there's like little um, nautical touches throughout, such as hanging ship lanterns, panels, uh, and as I said, the unique maritime artwork, like posters and, you know, just different um, little, um, you know, uh, items that make you feel as if you're 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 back in the time. Mm-hmm. Bathrooms, for example, have oil sinks and, um, uh, you know, like tiling from that time as well. So it, it, it's, um, it's it, you really do feel like you're stepping back in history. What area of Belfast are you located? And is the Belfast Museum close to you? So basically, we are located in the Titanic Quarter, um, which is um, like along the Maritime Wild, which is a waterfront experience that encourages visitors to explore Belfast's maritime and industrial history. 
Uh, it's home to a variety of visitor attractions, and we are, the hotel itself is actually located directly opposite the uh, Titanic Belfast uh, visitor attraction. There's all other heritage assets and public spaces around as well, but it's in a really nice area. Um, only about a 10-minute walk from the city centre um, and along the waterfront, as I said, was uh, surrounded by plenty of open spaces uh, as well as, as the Titanic Belfast um, visitor attraction, um, which um, has previously won the World um, you know, world Awards. So it's, um, it's a really nice area, but very convenient to Belfast the centre as well and, and other the other attractions um, of Belfast. Mm-hmm. They're also um, surrounded by, we're actually um, you know, in the um, shadows of the Harlan Wolf, the famous Harlan Wolf Yellow Cranes, um, which is what uh, is probably the most iconic um, landscape of, that, of Belfast and we're, we're basically in, um, in the shadows of that as well. So it just really gives you a, a unique location uh, and you know, in Belfast, and and something that makes you really truly appreciate where you're at. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I wouldn't. I guess I wouldn't have to go very far to experience all of that, especially like someone like myself who's a history buff and, and a Titanic buff. And of course, there's the other parts of Belfast. So I'm assuming that it's uh, really easy to get around and, and explore the rest of Belfast from where you are. Absolutely. Like I said, it's only about a 10-minute walk into the, the city centre, but there's a glider bus that, that stops right outside the hotel. There's also um, tour buses as well, you know, sightseeing tour buses as well that that you can hop on and hop off. Um, so it's a really convenient location, um, you know, but also we have, um, you know, wide open spaces around us. So you can actually even hire uh, a Belfast bike and, and, and go off exploring uh, along the bicycle paths um, nearby as well. Well, that'd be fun. Uh, you mentioned there's uh, 500 plus artifacts and memorabilia. Do you have some favorites? Yeah, well, we do have we have one really large um replica of Titanic in Drawing Office 2. So it's a huge um, replica of the ship itself in a, in a glass um, like cabinet that was basically do- donated to the hotel. We also have another one in the presentation room which overlooks Drawing Office 2. Uh, but there are just so much throughout, so so much um, artifacts throughout the the um, hotel that it would be hard to pinpoint what my favourite is. Um, <laughs> we actually have uh, um, artwork that's also been donated, and even contemporary artwork that's been inspired by the time, such as you know the people who worked on the uh, in the shipyard, uh, and one of the renowned local artists called Terry Bradley has actually um, donated a few of his artworks as well. He's um, very, he's pretty famous in in, in um, Belfast, Northern Ireland, and I guess further afield as well. And his his paintings are very distinctive. So I think if I had to, if I had to choose, I w- would say that the, those paintings are particularly. Um, you know, I particularly like those. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like such a, an incredible place to stay. Uh, I think I would spend hours and hours just looking at all the memorabilia through the hotel. And then, you know, there's the uh, Titanic Museum and all the other things. So uh, you'd have to spend four or five days and nights just to just to see all of that. But it, yeah. uh, it sounds just amazing. You know, you, you won't miss anything because actually our concierge um, offers guest guided tours of the hotel. So they'll take you through the, the, the hotel 
and and you know the different rooms and what who, who you know we for example um, they are the, the former offices of the board of directors of Harlington Wolf have been preserved and are now our heritage meeting meeting space. So um, the the concierge will take you through the entire journey of the building and explain you know different. Um, you know items of memorabilia and, and the artifacts as well and, and give you the, the full tour so you'll certainly be able to um, you know you'll be able to 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 understand where the, everybody where all um, everything is placed in, in the history. Sounds like an amazing stay. Siobhan Kielt is the Director of Sales and Marketing for the Titanic Hotel Belfast. The website titanichotelbelfast.com. It was a real pleasure chatting with you, Siobhan. And you too, Andy. Thank you for um, giving us the opportunity to talk about our great hotel. Well, as COVID travel restrictions ease around the world, the city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania is looking to welcome visitors again this spring and summer. There's lots to see and do there. So joining us now to give us some tips on visiting Philadelphia and to share what it offers is Rachel Ferguson. She's the Chief Innovation and Global Diversity Officer for Visit Philadelphia. The website is visitphilly.com. Hi, Rachel. Well, hello, Randy. Thank you for inviting me. Well, thanks for doing this. I have uh, had the pleasure of spending a day in Philadelphia. It really is a splendid city. Your website, by the way, is visitphilly.com. And on there is an article. This is a good place to start, I think, if you've never been. The 10 most essential things to do on your first visit to Philly. And I kind of scrolled through. And I did a couple of them. I went to visit the Liberty Bell, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And that whole area is really nice. And I did have a Philly cheesesteak. (laughs) (laughs) So two two out of 10. That's not bad for one day, though. Well, see, that's the beautiful thing about Philadelphia. You can make it a day trip or stay two, three days overnight. Um, We definitely have our Visit Philly overnight hotel package. Currently, it's, you know, buy one attraction ticket, get another free. Um, There's, you know, parking at the hotels that's available. But I'm happy that you went to see the Liberty (laughs) Bell. That means you were on the largest square mile of history in the country, um, you know, definitely the symbol, it's a symbol of freedom, uh, the Liberty Bell, and you have so many other attractions in that area. You have the National Constitution Center. Um, you know, I would definitely encourage people to visit the President's House, um, where there really was, here you have one of the first um, historical attractions that were focusing on the presidency and commemorating the lives of nine enslaved Africans at the site of the nation's first executive mansion. Uh, In that region, you have the African-American Museum in Philadelphia. Um, There's so, so many cultural gems within our area. So I'm happy that you got to experience it, but we definitely want you to come back for more. Well, I'm going to have to. Had I known all that, I would have visited all those areas. But let's talk about some of the other things to visit. Uh, how easy, like that area of Philadelphia, like you say, it's very historic. It's, it's very pretty, very picturesque. I, I do remember that. 
Absolutely. I'm so proud, not only that area um, where we talked about the historic square mile, but we have so many new exhibits that are occurring in 2022. I had the um opportunity to visit Harry Potter, the exhibition, and that's at the Franklin Institute. <gasps> Randy, <laughs> I don't know if you're a Harry Potter fan. I am. But are you? Okay, yes. so let me tell you, this definitely celebrates iconic moments, uh, characters, settings, and even beasts. Yes, I said beasts. <laughs> um, that are seen in the films and the stories. And the Franklin Institute is Philadelphia's iconic science museum. So basically, they turned elements of Hogwarts Castle um, into what you see in the in the movies. And the exhibition really brings the magic to life through design and technology. So you would definitely want to come and check that out. It's taking place now until the end of till September, September 2022. Yeah. Oh, good. Another. Um, exhibit that I think is extremely interesting and speaks to the times is called Pool, a social history of segregation. And that's taking place at Fairmount Waterworks. And it explores the history and contemporary implications of segregated swimming in America. Um, That's pretty interesting. We have amazing events. I don't know if you're a sports fan. Are you a sports fan? I'm a big Dallas Cowboys fan. I don't think I'd be welcome in Uh Philadelphia. (laughs) I'm I'm going to pretend as if I didn't hear that because, you know, we have amazing sports teams here, whether you're into soccer, Philadelphia Union, um, hockey, Philadelphia Flyers, the Sixers, the Phillies. But we also have the uh, NCAA March Madness that will take place. And as you know, that brings college Mm -hmm. excitement to Philly. And that's right around the corner as spring arrives. Um, We also have the Army-Navy game. That's a 123-year history. And then, if you are a music fan like myself, we have the Roots Picnic. Let me tell you about the Roots Picnic, Mm -hmm. okay? This is a two-day event, so June 4th and June 5th. And there's so many artists, whether you are a fan of Mary J. Blige or... Um, Jasmine Sullivan, in addition to so many artists that will be performing, I am so excited to share with you and your listeners that there's a live podcast date. And Visit Philadelphia's podcast, Love and Grit, will be there live with special guests. So you can either tune in, but we definitely encourage you to participate and experience this two-day festival. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It'd be fun. Uh, now, getting back to our 10 essential things, and you mentioned a lot of them, but uh, tell me a little bit about the waterfront and just how easy it is uh, to get around Philadelphia if I want to explore. So that's the beautiful thing about Philadelphia. We have so much greenery It's easy to walk around. If you want to leave your car at the hotel, you can do that. If you want to ride a bike, there's so many trails. There's so many walking tours. Um, There's tours that are museums without walls where you get an audio device and you're listening to the history and the stories and there's different apps. Um, You can participate in a mural arts tour. You can, you know, ride one of our buses or trolleys to get around the city Um, we have, even if you want to go out to greater Philadelphia, right? So if you want to go more into our countryside, 
Um, there's still family-oriented events. There's so many festivals that take place. One of my faves is um, Sesame Place. And so similar to, you know, our favorite childhood show, <laughs> Sesame Place has all of the characters, amazing water park rides and restaurants and shows for children and families. Um, there's, there's just a limitless amount of activities within our region that we encourage people to just go to visitphilly.com and check it out. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and I did have a, a Philly cheesesteak. It was very good, but uh, there's probably more to the food scene in Philadelphia than cheesesteaks, right? Well, see, cheesesteaks are amazing, right? And I don't know <laughs> what you had on your cheesesteak because you can have a regular, you know, salt, pepper, ketchup situation, you know, you can have gourmet cheesesteaks. If you listen to um, one of our podcast episodes, my co-host, Laia, um, she spoke about a gourmet um, cheesesteak that had <laughs> seafood. So there's a lot of options. But then we also have amazing restaurants. Our culinary scene, um, whether you're looking for hidden spots, uh, speakeasies, or unexpected surprises. So, for example, there's a place called Tallulah's Table. And in the afternoon, during daylight hours, it seems like a quaint cafe. But after hours, just two groups each day are treated to an eight-course chef-tasting menu. Then you have a place like the Barnes Foundation. And museums aren't often visited for their food, but the garden restaurant at the Barnes Foundation, oh, my goodness, <laughs> definitely an exception. They serve lunch and brunch and just beautiful dishes. Um, I think about one of the newer restaurants um, that are, it's a Steven Star restaurant, and they're adding um, Korean dishes and uh, different design elements, and it's called K-Pod. So we have so many options that no matter, you know, what you love, or if you just want to try new experiences, you want to check out our dining scene for sure. Well, there's lots of things to see and do, as you mentioned. I guess the best thing is just to look at uh, your website, visitphilly.com, to plan your visit and stay more than a day, right, Rachel, than I did? (laughs) Oh, please. And that's okay, too. That's okay. A day, you know what? I'm not going to complain because you're not going to be bored. You're going to say, oh, no, when is my next trip to Philly? Because (laughs) as you heard me chat, there's so many events that are constantly taking place. I think about some of the things that my family, um, you know, prior to the pandemic that we would attend regularly and now things are, you know, returning. Mm. Um, Penn Museum, oh, my goodness. So Rachel is definitely into clothes. And they have an exhibit <laughs> that's entitled The Stories We Wear. And it's about, I'm going to estimate, 200, 250 objects that reveal how clothing and accessories offer powerful expressions of identity. Um, they have a lot of different themes that, um, you know, over the years, how people have dressed in, that explores ceremony, performance, battle, work, play. Um, it's, it's extremely interesting. And then if you're a car lover, well, you have to check out the Philadelphia Auto Show. And that has everything from, you know, your classic cars to luxury and exotic, uh, you definitely want to check that out as well. Rachel Ferguson is the Chief Innovation and Global Diversity Officer with Visit Philadelphia. Visit Philly.com is the website. It was uh, fun chatting with you, Rachel. Thank you. 
And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website, theinformedtraveler.org. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know, leave a review, tell a friend, or you can drop me a line. My email is randy at theinformedtraveler.org. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler or follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.org.